Well, hey there, campers. No, 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 no. Oh, come on. We're not using that. Kind of mixed it up a little. That's not the one. (laughs) No campers. No fucking campers. Hello friends and neighbors, welcome to another episode of The Daily Screening Asks, does it hold up? My name as always is Daily, I'm joined of course by my partner in miniature crime, Bartholomew Devon, hello Bart. Howdy, 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 I'm Woody, uh, howdy, howdy, howdy. <laughs> and uh, we have special guests this week, as promised, our good friend, the best Boston accent, this side of the Mississippi, Mr. Bill O'Connell. Hello, Bill. <laughs> Greetings and salutations, uh, Daily. I promise you, uh, right after this uh, podcast airs in full, uh, those four boxes of Cheez-Its will be uh, in the mail. So, Thank you. That's good. Guaranteed. Payment received. So, I appreciate it. Thank you. <laughs> Daily, inquiring minds want to know, given that you're in New Zealand, which side hmm. of the Mississippi are you on? And how do you know that we're on the same side? <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to go the long way or do you go the short way? I think they're both the long way. Bill, you're uh, located in Atlanta, Georgia. We've had a couple people on sort of interspersed around the nation. Uh, so I always like to try and sort of check in in these, in these uncertain times and sort of say, hey, what's, what's life like in your neck of the woods, man? How are how is things? How's things in Atlanta? Uh, Hotlanta? Do you call it Hotlanta? Or is that like... Nobody calls it Hotlanta. Is that like what outside people do? That sound uh, that's like what doofuses? people call it if they are in the Mississippi. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I learned that very early on. Uh, same as people from San Francisco don't like it when you call it Frisco. Frisco. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. People yeah. down here, any reference to Hotlanta, but no, goodness no. We, we, we shun that and, and hiss and bare our teeth. But uh, Fair enough. It's, um, it's really been great to us. Uh, the, the food's great. Uh, the people are real nice. One of our children was born down here, so uh, he does have, say things like there and over here and stuff. It, oh, he, my God, really? It, it's That's not, amazing. Uh, it's not full Southern, but he still has a lot of that inside him versus uh, his older brother uh, who was born in Boston uh, and then came down here. He's got a very neutral accent. Um, yeah. so, you know, it's been, it's been an interesting year uh, thus far. Um, uh, our school district is the largest in the state. Uh, I think it's one of the largest in the United States as well. They've had difficulty managing uh, what's going on in the world today regarding, you know, coronavirus and stuff. And uh, we're just along for the ride uh, as parents in the community, uh, mm. trying to be supportive while also make our voices heard. You know, it's uh, that's got to be tough. I mean, are they are they mostly are they sort of are they doing that hybrid thing where they're sort of at home and they go in and or are they just doing everything from home? How how are they working it out? So they had taken a survey uh, early summertime uh, where just to gauge interest uh, across the board, uh, and it was basically uh, 60% of the folks uh, wanted to be in school and 40% did not. But then they they pivoted, goodness, with about three weeks uh, uh, until opening day. (laughs) Opening day, Jesus. Uh, The first day of school. (laughs) Um, Is Henry throwing out the open the first pitch? Uh, Uh, I I crave sports right now, and it's all a bummer. Seeing fucking cardboard cutouts in the stands is a real bummer. Um, Uh. So, again, they pivoted, and they ended up going 100% digital. Uh, And then when a lot of folks complained, um, they said, okay, well, then we'll start out digital, but after uh, about two or three weeks, we'll start to consider 
uh, opening it up and do some sort of phased approach. So they're they're getting to a hybrid approach. You know, we, we have one kid going into kindergarten, and you know, a kindergartner's uh, uh, a year should not be uh, digital. So uh, it's just yeah, it, it, tough, it's man. tough. It's tough across the board for everybody, uh, especially teachers too. You know. Well, hey, let's get into this week's movie. Yeah, uh, we're, we're talking Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. When we have a guest, we usually sort of let the guest pick it. Um, and you know what, I feel though? like Bill and I had a conversation a while back about like th- this was one you would want you wanted to do, but I didn't specifically ask you. I just sort of figured you'd be into it. <laughs> I've just I'm so glad to be a part of this. And uh, this is another O'Connell family record, I think, off the Disney Channel live weekends as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, this is a movie that I definitely owned uh, on VHS. And like it was just one of those movies we would just watch and repeat as kids you know like it was just we wore that tape out absolutely um and you know it's like uh for me and we i talked about this sort of when we started up this new iteration of the podcast we started with uh uh, ninja turtles no we did not well we didn't the first episode wasn't ninja turtles but my first choice was ninja turtles okay uh and it was like a movie where like i just know every iteration i know every line reading in that movie because i've watched it so many times you know bill man for what it's worth in case you don't know the first actual episode of this current series was mask of the phantasm Oh, outstanding. Oh, outstanding. And Daly's at here the... fucking throwing Ninja Turtles at you. <laughs> like, get that shit straight. Mask of the Phantasm, and I'm not going to ruin it here, ruined by a toy that was released in advance of the movie, where on the box, it spoiled who the Phantasm was. Oh, for fuck's oh, So lame. Yeah, it was a real bummer. Yeah, I mean, it, it wasn't spoiled for me, thank goodness, which is the most important thing here. Absolutely. But, uh, that's fantastic. <laughs> so very familiar for, for Bill and I. Uh, Bart, what about you? Did you what, is this a, was this a childhood favorite? Or, uh, or? I mean, I've certainly seen it more than once, but it certainly wasn't something that I can quote lines from or anything jenna watched it with me she had a lot of things to say about that one kid with the red hat <laughs> jared rushton yeah she said to me on probably 20 different occasions during the movie oh that kid's a trump voter now <laughs> <laughs> he plays a uh, little shit very well yeah yeah that's it he he's the uh he's also the best fr- i didn't realize it I, I don't think i realized it until this viewing that he's also the best friend in big yes exactly yeah, different colored hair. I think yeah. his hair's a little yeah, darker. Yeah, he's, he's, he's ginger and big. Yeah, yeah. You know who else I had didn't realize until this viewing um, was someone else that I recognized was um, uh, the Thompsons' mom. Um, she played uh, Buffy's mom on Buffy the Vampire yeah. Slayer. <laughs> yes, and yeah. yeah. I think the whole time that I watched that show, she was always familiar to me, but I could never, I never figured out why. Um, and I never bothered to like look it up. And then as soon as she came on here, I was like, oh, oh, that's Buffy's mom. That's why Buffy's mom was always familiar to me because of this fucking movie. <laughs> yeah. I, the dad of that family, I was like, who is that fucking guy? He's so familiar. Matt Frewer, Max Headroom. Yes, but that's not where that's for me. You know me. That that's not who he was to me. For me, he's that fucking swindler on Next Generation. <laughs> the, yes. the time swindler. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What episode is that? Oh yeah. <laughs> I, that he's that fucking guy. I was from, like, yeah. oh, it's that guy. Yeah, coming from the twenty second century or something like that. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. He's, he he is a, a that gall that guy Hall of Famer. Absolutely. Yeah, I always think of him guy. as because he was he was Max Headroom, but he was also the lawnmower man in the lawnmower man sequel. <laughs> took over for Jeff oh, Fahey? No. Wow. He took over for Jeff Fahey because he's just a digital character in that movie. Like 
Like, I mean, he he appears in in human form, but like he like he only exists in the internet. I think in that movie. So oh. weird note about him though in this movie is um, he is thirty years old when they shot this movie. Really? Oh my God! Wow. Jesus Christ! That horseshoe yeah. head uh, of Harry's got there too. I, mean, I know on. it's brutal. He was are... only fourteen years older than Little Russ Thompson. <laughs> oh my Which God. is super gross when you think about it. He's 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 got some city miles on him. <laughs> <laughs> That's trouble. That's worrisome. Yeah. Uh, so this is uh, it's 1989. Um, so so it's you know it's it's got some years on it. Uh, it's directed by Joe Johnston. Um, who his first directing uh, job? Yeah, it's his first movie. It's his, it, he made like a student film, and like that was it. Um, you know, Joe Johnston, who uh, you know he was famous. He was an art director at ILM. Like he designed fucking the Millennium Falcon and like Boba Fett and shit. Um, and oh. then of course he went on to direct like Captain America and October Sky and all kinds of other good movies in the future. But this was his first movie. I think you're neglecting um, his work on Batteries Not Included as well, Daly. Oh, see, Batteries Not Included is very high on my list of movies to watch on this podcast because that's a fuck. I haven't watched that one in ages, but I have very fond childhood memories of that movie. Yeah. I've never actually seen it. Ooh. High quality. It was a, during the, and, the resurgence of putting elderly people uh, as leads in movies in like the late yeah, 80s, cocoon, early 90s. It's right around the cocoon Wilfred Brimley era. Absolutely. It really shines. Mm. Jessica Tandy. Jessica Tandy and Hume Cronin. Hume Cronin. Woo! What a name, Hume Cronin. <laughs> Hume Cronin sounds like someone who was born a 75-year-old man. There's only one person who has a better name than that, and that person is Rip Torn. Oh, it's just, it's, <laughs> that's it's true. Who also was born as a 75-year-old man. <laughs> <laughs> the other name that jumped out at me in the opening credits is um, there's a story by credit uh, given to Stuart Gordon. Who, yes. who you know, wrote and directed like Reanimator and all kinds of like schlocky you know B movie stuff? That, in one hand, like not surprising at all, but also like blows my mind that he had some hand in this fucking Disney movie. And I also read that uh, in an earlier draft of the script, uh, there were f- uh, five kids and one kid dies in the yard. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's oh. that's the Stuart Gordon draft. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In an article that I read about this was the same thing. Um, at one point in the script, he's like, "The ant has to die. The ant's yeah. gonna die now, and let's plan for it." And you know, uh, to give that that kids movie a little darkness. Um, and and guess, it's fucking dark, man. Yeah, it absolutely is. Um, but then well, again, it's a Disney movie, so there's got like it has to acquaint children with death. That's <laughs> the rule of Disney movies from this era. Right? <laughs> so okay, the, the premise, you know, the kids get shrunk down by their crackpot dads you know, shrink ray in the, in the attic. And then they get accidentally thrown out with the garbage and they have to make their way across the backyard back to the house. Um, I actually was thinking to myself like that, the sort of self-contained nature of the premise is actually really brilliant. You know, that it's like, it, it almost feels like a video game in that way. You know, it's like, Oh, you just got you get It's the backyard. It feels so small, but it becomes so big. You know, it's a movie that's like built on set pieces, you know, um, and which beautiful makes sense. Set pieces too. It's gorgeous. Yeah. 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 But it's, it makes sense because it's like they've, they've got to literally build all of these sets of all of these like oversized uh, environments, you know. Um, but it sort of goes from like sequence to sequence where it's like, oh, the, you know, the bee attack and then the sprinklers go off and, uh, and then they find the cigarette and, and they find Auntie and, uh, you know, the scorpion attack and the lawnmower. And it sort of like goes from like 
from like bit to bit to bit, you know? Yeah, it is not 91 minutes of unwasted time. Yeah, it moves yeah. from one event to the next. Uh, yeah. yeah, it does not waste a moment. No. What struck me the most is that it's, you know, there is like genuine peril in this movie, you know? Like it's not just oh, yeah. like cutesy, the things are large. Like they feel like they are in grave danger for most of this movie, you know? Uh, when when like the the sister almost drowns, like that's like a fucking serious bit, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, uh, her scream was, for Nick is very uh, yeah, it's haunting, but it's a stinging scream. Yeah, yeah. Or like the fucking scorpion. Where do yeah. they live? That scorpion is terrifying, <laughs> man. What state is that? <laughs> I mean, for a movie that sort of has the look and the feel of a lot of those sort of like schlocky fifties, you know, like be sci-fi movies of Jason like, and the oh, Argonauts and yeah exactly whereas you know there's like some stop motion in there and it's a lot of there's some you know forced perspective and the sets are fantastic and there's you yeah. know uh, obviously a giant green screen and but for the the uh, uh, claymation looking type moments uh, they're tight you know and they're obviously yeah. you know uh, uh, animated that way but they're very tight you know yeah I was gonna say and this is all very you know this is all pre-digital um, you know, this is all optical effects and and models and stop motion. Um, and some, you know, That's some why of the it works. Yeah, yeah. but it, it absolutely works. You know, some of the set piece, some of the um, sets look, you know, they come off better than others. Like I think the the giant broom like doesn't look great. You know, when they get swept up. Um, okay, so during the giant broom thing, Jenna turns me <laughs> turns to me and she goes, "Why don't they just run?" Sideways degrees. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the same question we all ask of Charlize Theron at the end of yep. uh, uh, that Alien movie, um, uh, yeah. Prometheus. Run that way. Yeah, just yeah, go, go to the left, man. <laughs> <laughs> the the dividing line in terms of the analog or the optical and digital effects, um, it falls right between. You know, obviously, there's there's actually a couple of sequels to this, um, but it falls right between this one and the next sequel, which is called uh, "Honey, I Blew Up the Kid," which uh. always like that title always rubbed me the wrong way because it always makes you sound like Rick Moranis exploded a child. Um, <laughs> but um, Carrie Russell cannot save that movie. No, really Carrie can. Russell's first first big screen role for her first feature film. Um, oh, she's a baby in that movie. Um, but yeah, like there's a there's a sequence where they're because in that movie they're trying to instead of a shrink ray they're working on a ray that like blows things up. I know because I rewatched it uh, just the other day. Uh, you're welcome, nobody. Um, and uh, they're they're like t- you know in the first one in this one you know he's trying to shrink apples you know so it's like the apple explodes he gets apple all over his face. Um, in the second one they're trying to the little test thing that they're trying to embiggen are these like blue crystals. And uh, when they when they try to do it, it turns into this like really shitty '90s digital effect of like the crystal like bubbling and expanding, and then it like explodes into blue goo. Uh, uh, it's bad. It's bad. That second movie is real bad, guys. Don't watch that second movie. Well, it's even the second movie, but even the second sequel after that was Rick Moranis's last live action uh, yeah. film. You know, because Rick Moranis is basically retired from acting, although. Um, there is in development, I think, a series as opposed to a film for Disney Plus. Um, Josh Gad, I think, is taking. I don't know if he's going to yeah. be uh, Nick. Josh Gad up. is playing the yeah the grown up Nick, um, and I believe they've got Moranis to come back for it. You want to take bets on the title? It's going to be Shrunk with an exclamation point, probably. <laughs> right? Yes, that sounds exactly right. That sounds on brand for Disney Plus. 
But, I mean, it's just good. I, I don't care. I mean, they could wrap it up and, and, and take – I don't care. Just give me Rick Moranis back. I mean uh, – Yeah, I know. I, know. I think there's going to be an SCTV uh, reunion dropping yeah, yeah, this yeah. month it, or later uh, this Scorsese's year. Ne- doing. Yeah, on Netflix or something. Uh, just, you know, I think he is ready to make a comeback. I think I read some article um, a few months back that he's – how did he put it? Just, uh, that the roles weren't there. I mean, he's a, he's a comedian, not necessarily yeah. – an actor. I mean, he's looking to um, uh, squeeze the most uh, comedy juice out of the line. You know, comedy yeah. juice. That's a that's a comedian term, right? <laughs> it's a comedy term. It's industry term. <laughs> kind of sounds like a Louis C.K. thing. Oh, come on! Gross. I was going to equate it with like with Chris Farley or something like that. You're giving me Louis C.K. Uh, <laughs> the entire industry has seen too much of Louis C.K.'s comedy juice. <laughs> Squeeze that juice. Oh, gross. Yeah, but we've been uh, running Henry through uh, a lot of Moranis lately. We we did our his first, um, we got, what did we show him, Spaceballs? Ooh, so he was yeah. His, he yeah. got his first, first Mel Brooks. We had shown him Little Giants a while back. We were literally playing uh, uh, the soundtrack to Little Shop of Horrors um, just mm. yesterday morning as well because he's a fan of musical theater and shit like that. Nice. Um, so it's he's I don't know he can appreciate the physical uh, comedy of that you know he's not ready for my blue heaven yet but um, I think <laughs> R- R- Rick Moranis should be as uh, a, a big of a part of his childhood as it was um, all of ours. You know you shouldn't be in the frozen food section because you could melt <laughs> all this stuff. Who is it? What's her pale face? What's her name? Uh... Oh God! Oh God! I don't remember now. I mean, Joan uh, Cusack is Moranis's interest. But I don't remember who that who his is. This is, this is why you guys need a researcher for this uh, podcast. I know. So when we I can know, just uh, right? dip questions hey, off we're on. hiring. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we need an intern. We need an intern. Put it on your resume. Fucking intern for this stupid podcast. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's a credit. I'm guaranteed you could pull somebody. Guaranteed. You could have a producer credit for all I fucking care. Yeah, right? <laughs> you know, this movie is uh, – it's divided in half. Um, and you've got, so you've got the kids who are real small, um, and they're sort of going through this like genuine adventures. And, you know, the other half of that movie is, is Rick Moranis basically shouldering the load himself, um, as you know, the parents trying to find the kids. I was thinking that that part of the movie would really fall flat if it weren't like Moranis, Moranis really elevates that material. Like he makes it sing, man. Um, that part would be would be Dolesville with with a less talented comedian, you know. Mm. You'd just be sitting there waiting to get back to the kids. I don't even know less talented. I feel like other talented comedians would be just. Out of, I'm picturing Egon in that role. Just just <laughs> Harold Ramis. I, I you know how I feel about Harold Ramis, right? And yeah. and I mean the two of them, even in the same movie, have a, like they're very very different. Even if yeah. on paper they're not that different. Yeah. Um, but I, like, and I'm taking Harold Ramis and putting him in there, and it just wouldn't work. Yeah, no. And it's funny you mention that because I actually think he has a lot of Lewis Tully energy in this movie. Like, oh, absolutely. Like it's that like obliviousness, like when the cops come and he's got like the weird helmet and shit on. <laughs> like that sequence is really genuinely funny, you know. 
Yeah, his wife. She's a great fainter right in the background. Yeah, I, I looked away for one second during that sh- during that scene, and I thought that he hit her in the face with one of the lights <laughs> and just knocked her out. And I'm like, that would work just as well if I'm honest. He does such great <laughs> physical comedy in this movie, like all the stuff of him like suspended above the above the yard with the you know, in the hammock uh, on the clothesline and stuff, and him having to climb along the fence and okay. shit, like in between the yards on the stilts. Yeah. Like I, it's great. Hold on, wait, stop. Can I? Can I? Can I? Was that a hammock? Because I thought it was one of those dolphin carriers that they use to tag a fucking dolphin. And it didn't seem out of character to me that he would, would have own one. one of those. But, like, this was the thing that I had to do was every fucking – everybody fucking builds things really fast in this movie. Yes. Like – He's like he rigged up them stilts in no time. He's got his dolphin carrier. Those kids built their little predator-style Lego defense systems in like five seconds. Like they built that stuff in no time at all. And I was like, what is happening? They must have stayed up all night just putting the defense together. The fucking sticks together. I'm gonna have me some fun. I'm gonna have me some fun. I was like. Oh my That's god! So good. This was missing uh, a railgun. I will say that. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think little Russ Thompson had a railgun in his pocket for this whole fucking movie. I cannot oh. remember a hornier fucking character than little Russ Thompson. Holy shit! Yeah, but it no got shit. there, man. Like <laughs> he made it to the promised land. <laughs> he did. How many? How, that never happens. Teen love is yeah. forbidden. That's when they kill you. Like. Yeah. <laughs> I just wanna, I'm just going to run through because it's. I actually think it's pretty underplayed. As a kid, I never noticed it. But in this movie, so first of all, he's totally watching her through the window in the yard <laughs> yeah. at the beginning while she's dancing around. He's definitely hiding a boner with all those boxes he's carrying. When the little brother hits the baseball through the window and he Rust drags him over to the neighbor and he's like, I'm gonna, you know, you got to tell him what you did. The little brother goes, I'll tell mom what you spend your allowance on. He's got a collection of Playboys under his bed because it was 1989 and there was no internet porn yet. <laughs> and then and then in the middle of that like tender night scene where like he's like, you know, being real nice to, to Amy Zelitsky, it cuts to Mrs. Zelitsky and she's like, I'm just thinking of Amy alone in the dark with little Russ Thompson. Yeah. Like, I don't know who is the accusation. Like she's afraid of the horny neighbor or is she casting aspersions against her own daughter? I'm not sure both. how to read that. It's, bo- it's definitely both. It's definitely both. Are you kidding me? They better behave themselves. <laughs> There's a scene on the cutting room floor of Mrs. Zelinsky looking out the window to Russ, uh, Russ Jr. Dancing with a wig on and, you know, this <laughs> dick between his legs and shit like that. That's what she's worried about. <laughs> Russ he's, gone, he's gone full Buffalo Bill. <laughs> <laughs> that said, about the, you know, since we're talking about the mom, I think you know the one thing where I think the movie really kind of falls down, um, and it surprises me a little bit, is like there's this very vague sort of subplot um, that like the Zelinsky parent, there's trouble with the Zelinsky parents that like they're you know she spent the night at her mom's and like they're fighting or whatever. And they like talk about that, but you like never see any fucking like trace of it, you know? Oh, oh yeah. That is not like any fight I have ever had with my wife. I don't have kids. (laughs) Like I'm the only person on this podcast with no children, but I have never had a fight like that with Jenna before, because if I had a fight with Jenna where she would leave and go stay with somebody else, 
I would be fucking paying for it for yeah. ever, yeah. forever. And then, and then, like, like, because it starts, it starts right off the bat, where it's like, oh, mom stayed somewhere else last night. Like they had a fight, and mom left. Blah blah blah. But then they get on the phone, and they're just so nice to each other. They're just Everything's like, oh hey, fine. oh I'll be home up at three. Oh, it's like no big deal. You know, Lord, like there's wish no you good luck at the presentation. Yeah, yeah. There's yeah, like there's no, no indication weird. of any genuine yeah. marital strife there. It's such a like unrealistic representation of like a troubled marriage, basically. And you'd figure that like if the wife stayed somewhere else for the night, and they had because they had this fight, and then she came home, and your husband fucking shrank your children. Like industrial accidented your kids and like no, lost them you'd in the be backyard. Murdered, murdered. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It would be pure premeditated murder. Like, it would not. There's... It would not end with the night at no. the end of the night. The husband asleep on the, on the workbench and the wife going, "I love you, Wayne Zelinsky." Like that's that moment yeah, no. would not happen. I think the the sanitized version of marital strife just feels like it's a Disney movie. And it just wasn't, uh, it's like a head faint towards the fact that divorce was like rampant in the 80s, but like, oh, yeah, they don't actually no. want to address that in any meaningful no, way, though. No, Disney in the 80s, death and destruction are fine, but bad <laughs> words and marital strife, no, no, no. Stay no. away. <laughs> <laughs> also, while we're talking about, while we're talking about being bad and weird spouses, Everyone in this movie is a bad and weird parent in some way or other. <laughs> All of them. Yes. yes. Like, I'm sorry. Like, if my if I knew that my kids were an inch tall and roaming the backyard, there's no universe where I'm going to sleep. That's what that, <laughs> like, I'd be out there with tweezers picking every single blade of grass. Yeah. Like, one by yeah. one. There's no fucking way. It's nonsense. They they spend so much time on those like you know on the hammocks being swung around the thing. It seems crazy to me that not that they would never find the kids, but that the kids would never notice the one of the parents like, swinging overhead. Yeah, it just feels like lo- even oh, yeah. if it was just like a foot or something, you know, like it seems like at some point the kids would have noticed them, you know. Well, the other thing is, like, if they were in those hammocks for a long time, they're really just checking the same circle over and over and over again. That's true. Like, it's not, not, not a very, very efficient. efficient way of checking the yard. <laughs> I do really like the bit where they finally tell the Thompson parents, though. Um, Russ Thompson or whatever says, like, well, how do you know you didn't just blow them up? And he goes, like, well, no, they definitely try. Otherwise, there'd be pieces of them everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> I love that part. Like the deadpan delivery on that is just so fucking brilliant. So are, are we going to talk about their fucking dog for a second? Cork. The Quark. Quark. Quark is the fucking smartest dog I have ever seen. It's amazing. I know it's crazy. <laughs> I mean, it, was that a was that a, a doggy ex machina there? I mean, literally saving the kids, bringing them home at the very end into the yeah. Cheerios bowl. The Cheerios oh, bowl. I mean, that's a, that's like an all timer bit. That Cheerios sequence is great. Oh, that is that sequ- like that dog is the difference between this movie and Inner Space, because <laughs> yeah. this movie becomes Inner Space really quick if he <laughs> eats his child. Like- <laughs> <laughs> it's same thing with um, with the broom coming down and sweeping the kids. That same yeah. kind of texture with the dog, and they grab onto fur, and it's bristly and yeah. whatnot. Um, just, I, I was just really impressed with the the giantism uh, here and the scale. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah the scale I work really, is really good. There's yeah. a there's a really nice, a couple of really nice touches. Like, um, for example, like the way that the broom seems to move kind of slowly to them. 
you know, like, which is a, it's just a scale thing. Like larger things moving fast appear to move slower to smaller things. You know what I mean? You see it. I was actually thinking of like, uh, of like Marvel, like Ant-Man when Ant-Man becomes giant man. And it's like, he, it looks like he's moving in slow motion sometimes because even though in his perspective, he's moving at normal speed, like to the smaller people, it looks like he's moving slower. Um, and then the other thing being that it's really prevalent in that, in that broom sequence is like the sound, the tone of all the sound is shifted lower, yeah. you know? So like when he, they hear him talking or whatever, or the phone ringing and it's like, it, it all sounds like a lower, like it's like a lower register. Mm. Like that's just like nice detail work, you know? Yeah. yeah. The sound, um, the sound was really good. Even sliding down blades of grass. Yeah. That and, uh, in terms of the giant set, the pollen was like really cool looking. Remember? Yeah. Although I do feel like, you know, he's allergic to pollen. I, I, I don't know if I buy the like I'm too small yeah, defense. It's like can't get in my like, nose. He's got it. He's got it in his mouth. Like I feel like that kid would be dead. <laughs> he's like chewing on it. I feel like that or, would, or would just, be like, a dead. Sneezing kid. a lot. Yeah. Jesus. Also, and we we notice this every single time. Whatever that kid's glasses are made of, I want that. <laughs> Everything slides right off. Those glasses Thompson's are just parents. indestructible, man. That shit's amazing. I talked about the Thompson parents for a minute. Um, you know, again, it's sort of like this, like side, weird, like side gags, basically. Um, but again, I think like Matt Frewer and and the mom, for that matter, like I think they kind of sell it. They sort of like they sort of make it work. And I think there's some really great, like weird little minor gags, like like they're loading the RV. And it's like it's like they're emptying their entire fucking house and putting it into their <laughs> RV. Like at what point you're carrying a microwave oven? Because they're addicted to micro magic French fries, my friend. Yeah, uh, I got my my veal parmesan. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, uh, was, oh, he's got he brings golf clubs. He's got his golf clubs. Like there's so much shit they're carrying into that RV. It's insane. And they never reference it. They're just carrying all this shit around for like all goddamn day. <laughs> what did you and, think and, of the sequence where the other the the RV friends show up? Yeah, for no uh, for uh, no real reason. Like no real reason at all. Um, to get the handshake think, in, that's why he appears. Yeah, the handshake is great. Except I, uh, the, that was one of the bits that I thought was like ooh, like real cringy was um, plumbing. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, that's, that's real gross. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, and then he, he, when he walks back into the house, and she's like, uh, "Were you honest with him? How did he take it?" And he just lies <laughs> to his fucking wife. Just lies to her fucking face. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> um, also, Matt Frewer lifting weights. Uh, uh, that's just high comedy right there. <laughs> oh, that hat! Like, I want that hat and like that folded piece of camel no. unfiltered cigarettes and the fucking brim. Yeah, yeah, it only fits they, with a pack of cigarettes. Yeah, they they never did a dress. What happened with him at the end? It was like, why did his hat not fit at the end? Was he a little bit smaller? No, it's because the wife... I, I always thought that too as a kid, but it, I think it's just supposed to be that the wife took his cigarettes, so his hat doesn't fit right huh. anymore. I always assumed I the know. other... I, I'm with Bart. I always assumed that the machine uh, was you know, him fucked a up. His hat's all fucked up now because he's used to having a pack of cigarettes in his head. <laughs> Which also, like, can you imagine... Bill, Bill you, you're a smoker. Like, having a fucking pack of cigarettes... On top of your head all fucking no. day, all the goddamn no. time. That seems like so incredibly yeah, uncomfortable. And it seems like it would induce a rectangular shaped tumor on my fucking forehead as well. <laughs> 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 
I mean, I can't. I mean, people that 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 shove a piece of fucking tobacco in their lip and they get a big lipper. I I mean, I just assume oh, God, that yeah. your face is deteriorating uh, at an accelerated rate. It's probably the last time that Disney movie had somebody smoking <laughs> in it too. Yeah, but even this one, they were poo pooing it. Like there was a yeah. message. Yeah, yeah there Again, was. Mortal danger is fine. No smoking. No divorce. <laughs> no no swearing. <laughs> You can die. Go ahead and die. It's okay. But that other shit. Oh no no no! I do know this movie instilled in me a love, a lifelong love of oatmeal cream pies. Oh hell yeah! Oh, see, you know that that scene. And after re- rewatching this, that cookie's only on screen for what f- seven seconds and maybe a little bit yeah. more. That has been in my head for thirty goddamn years. Yeah. Oh god. Forever. Like a potent yeah. memory. I can smell. I can taste the cookie. I can. Uh, it's amazing. Apparently they, uh, I think the the cookie was like like the cookie pieces are just like styrofoam, but the the cream was actual cream filling because you never see them eat the cookie; they just eat the eat the cream. So. Just the cream part. Um, yeah, yeah. Just like yeah, no, that sounds great. That set must have been so much fucking fun to shoot on for those kids, you know? Yeah. Oh like, yeah. That must have just been a goddamn blast every day. You see, obviously, a lot of a lot of grass and everything's wet and glistening with this not quite water and not quite silicone and or lube but some sort of glistening uh watery substance oh i mean bart i could not for the life of me like i could not put my finger on exactly what it was it's not it's not cetaphil watered down uh i don't i I just don't know exactly what it is oh that's great no it's hard it's hard to miniaturize that kind of stuff you know like water famously doesn't miniaturize yes um so it's that that shit is tricky, man. Lube. It's just like a vat of lube. Fucking fucking big bucket of KY. You know? <laughs> KY's better. At least that is gross. Yeah, that's better, right? Uh, Moranis uh was not the first choice for this role. Uh but uh he was apparently recommended this is actually ironically another weird Ghostbusters connection. Um I think it was it was originally went to Chevy Chase. Uh, no. and he, he passed. Yeah, no. Um, and then uh, it actually went to John Candy. And Ooh. John Candy, either he passed or he couldn't do it, but he recommended Moranis for the role. And that's the sa- same deal with Lewis Tully. John Candy was originally supposed to play that role in Ghostbusters, and yeah. he like couldn't figure out that. He was like, I couldn't get a handle on that role. I couldn't couldn't figure He wanted to play with like Dobermans and shit, and they couldn't figure out what to do, how to like what the comedy was. And so he was like, oh, you should get Rick Moranis to do it. So I mean, can't Candy? So we have John Candy to thank for this again. I mean, like he could have done it, but it, yeah. it, no, this it, it's Rick. Well, Moranis. I think this is I mean, post Rick Uncle Moranis. Buck. You know, yeah. I think this is post Uncle Buck. So like it, seeing him as like the actual nice family guy uh, might have you know like I always think of him as Uncle Buck. So <laughs> you're the the remake in planes, trains, and automobiles. Yeah, I don't care for that. Uh, yeah, I don't. Good. I don't. I don't want any to, part of that. Take to the streets. <laughs> Sorry, I don't mean. It's, I literally read it. I think yesterday. Uh, yeah. No. It's. It's. Yeah. It's. Fair. It just came out a couple of days ago, and it's like, I just. I don't know. Like, I, I prefer it when they do something. You know, they they basically remade this like uh, not that long ago with Robert Downey Jr. and Zach Galifianakis. It was called Due, Due Date, and due it wasn't. Date. It wasn't. It wasn't a, an actual remake of Plane, Trains, and Automobiles, but it was like, hey, we're gonna take a very similar premise and make like a sort of do like a spiritual remake, a movie in the same vein of planes, trains and automobiles, you know? And like, I'd much rather see something like that. Like 
I don't need to see. I we have planes, trains, and automobiles. I don't need another one. It's fine. <laughs> you know, th- th- there there are few uh, uh, dead celebrities, not celebrities, dead artists that I um, uh, feel like missed out on. You know, I know we were part of yeah. kind of the grunge generation, but I really don't feel that if Kurt Cobain was still alive, his music would be as good or relevant. But fucking John Candy, man. I yeah. mean, like, if we had him until he was an older dude, I really, uh, I don't know. Oh, yeah. He had a lot of gems. I really think that we missed out on a lot of him. Plus, you just know that the remake of Blanche Trains on Wheels is going to end up with a stupid fucking title. It's going to yeah. be called, like, Gotta Get There or something <laughs> like stupid. <laughs> exclamation point. <laughs> Debuting this week on Disney Plus. Traveling, exclamation point. <laughs> 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 it would be traveling. Traveling. It'd be traveling. Hi- hyphen apostrophe. Uh. <laughs> Jesus. If they put a Roger Rabbit short in front of it, yeah, I'll watch it. Uh. So, okay, so that's perfect timing because I just was about to mention that. So, you know, this movie is also very sort of famous for having been paired with this Roger Rabbit short, um, which it was, you know, the first Roger Rabbit content after the Roger Rabbit movie, so which was a huge hit. And so people were like, you know, starved for more Roger Rabbit. Um, and so uh, th- th- apparently they actually, like they put out the first trailer for the movie and then they put out a second trailer, like, of, you know, months later after they decided to pair it with this short. And the second trailer was like, it was like a 90 second trailer and like 60 seconds of it was just Roger Rabbit stuff. No. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. And so there's like, there's a lot of speculation that, um, part of the reason this movie did so well at the box office was uh, twofold. Uh, one, that people went to see it so that they could see the Roger Rabbit short at the beginning. Mm. And two, because it came out the same weekend as Tim Burton's Batman. And, you know, oh, this was pre movie phone, pre internet ordering. So it was like, you know, the theory is that people tried to go see Batman. It was sold out, and so they went to see this instead because it was the other new movie that week, and so it like artificially inflated their box office numbers. Yeah, essentially, that's hilarious that's... and amazing. yeah, which is the thing that just doesn't happen anymore nowadays. It's like no. you try to order tickets, and if you can't get them, you just don't go to the fucking movies. You know? Yeah, yeah. you don't get that sweet overflow. No, yeah. yeah. and apparently, so the, and in weird historical coinky dinks, uh, there was apparently with the second movie. Um, some sort of weird controversy where um, there was like an iced tea album that came out and sure it like you know of course there was there was was some controversy around this like iced tea album and so people were trying to like boycott this album which was put out by Warner Brothers Music. And so it carried over into don't just boycott this album, but you should boycott Batman Returns, which was also coming out in theaters. And by boycotting Batman Returns, instead, you should go see Honey, I Blew Up the Kid. (laughs) (laughs) That is bizarre. Also, Batman Returns, if we're honest, is pretty fucking weird. Oh, it's very fucking weird. I tried to rewatch it, God, maybe five years ago. I was like, huh, it's, it starts like this? <laughs> like, and then like the, the uh, there's like eight battles in like uh, different town squares, but they all look the same. And, you know, I just, I, it's yeah. – uh, Dan yeah, yeah, DeVito is yeah. outstanding. He's just outstanding. And Michelle Pfeiffer, oh, if, if yeah. there ever was, you know, um, perfection in a role, how it was captured, how she's captured on film, just she is just ultimate in that movie. But yeah, it's just such it kills a, it in that a movie. weird – 
It's a weird movie. Also, the, like the thing that always jumps, like returns to my memory every time I try to watch Batman Returns again, which happens once every like five, ten years. I'm like, eh, maybe I'm misremembering this. And I'm like, no, it really is this weird. Is The, the thing about it was that I remember the most is the Happy Meals. Because after Batman 89, McDonald's was like, that was great fun. And yeah, it's a little bit dark, but it's still okay to bring the kids to. There's nothing that weird, blah, blah, blah. Like, we're going to have Happy Meals. So they signed this huge deal for when for Batman Returns to, to like put Batman Returns toys in the Happy Meals. And then the movie came out. And they were like, when he, when he bites that guy's nose off, that's not for your kids. <laughs> At least my nose isn't gushing blood. <laughs> that's not for your kids. Like, <laughs> Oh, man. <laughs> that's great. Did you guys hear the uh, news that they've somehow cajoled Ben Affleck to come back for this Flash movie? Yeah. What? No. Um well, Ezra the, Miller's, they're, they're, right? they're doing this Flash movie with Ezra Miller from you know Justice League and whatnot, and um, uh, it's the Flashpoint. Like they're they're trying to introduce the multiverse sort of to the to the big screen. I thought, um, oh, to the big screen. I was like, didn't they do Crisis on on Infinite Earths already? On the on the TV shows, yeah. And in yeah, fact, uh, Ezra Miller Ezra Miller popped up in that bit where so it was like a di- as a different version of the Flash that like you know meets the TV version of the Flash. Um, and so they're they're doing that storyline here, and the idea is that he's going to you know interact with a bunch of different versions of the various heroes, which is how Michael Keaton's Batman gets worked into it. That he is like yeah. the old man version of the Burton Batman that he encounters in the multiverse. But they've also got Ben Affleck to come back to be the like his Batman, you know, because it's like if he's going to run into a bunch of other Batmans, he needs to have like. They need to have his Batman there for like reference, essentially. So, so I so mean, like, I my, Batflex my, coming back. I, my worry, I mean, yes, the multiverse is great. Uh, Spider Man uh, has has proved that people are going to accept that, and it's not going to be yeah. so confusing for folks anymore. But totally. Flashpoint, I hope I hope they don't rush it like I'm expecting them to. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think I feel like they're you know, it's in a way I actually think it's kind of a clever solution in that. Um, they've sort of backed themselves into a corner in that they've made all these movies and nobody really likes them, but they like individual elements. Like people fucking love Wonder Woman, you know, yes. and they have feel pretty positive about Aquaman uh, against all odds. But they've got Pattinson taking over Batman already. Like and, uh, you know, they don't know what the fuck they're doing with Superman. And. You know, Uh-oh. so their whole thing is basically it's like if they can do this multiverse thing, then they could basically just like cherry pick and choose. They don't have to be locked in to the universe that they've built to to the parts that nobody likes, you know? So they can just mm. be like, Hey, we're we're gonna have we're gonna follow this Batman who's in Earth three seventy nine over here, but you know, we're gonna stick with the Wonder Woman you like and hey, maybe we'll do another Aquaman that you like, but also there's a Green Lantern, but he doesn't necessarily need to be connected to the other fucking Justice League and I... we could reintroduce a new Superman and like it, it gives them an out to sort of keep what they want and like build out what they what they don't like so like if it works it could be great but i yeah i it could be but know, i'm hesitant like, that's that's not going to be sustainable after a while that's just going to make them lazy it's 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 like using time travel too much no it is like, it's you it's can you tough. can do it once you can do it yeah. just the once and then yeah that's it I think the other idea I think that they're trying to perpetuate is the idea that like you can use the multiverse as a way to say that basically 
every fucking DC superhero property ever is all canon, you know? So fucking Christopher Reeve Superman can be canon alongside Brandon Routh Superman, alongside Henry Cavill Superman. That like it could be like, oh no, it's all multiverse, you know? That like anything Tim Burton Batman, fucking Helen Slater Superwoman, like fucking any DC anything can all be (laughs) canon. Well, that means they're gonna have to bring in the shit too. You're talking Jared Leto's Joker. Oh, yeah. just 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 any of them. There, there are yeah. some bad ones. Uh, yeah. But what if? Also, it, what, here, but here, okay. What if it becomes like like Godzilla Final Wars, where they can like bring back the shitty versions just to kill them and like just to shit on them? Like that, that could I, be great. <laughs> like Godzilla Final War. You know how I feel about that movie. This movie's insane. Um, Jesus, that's what we should fucking watch next week. Final Wars. <laughs> Just, just because. I think Final Wars is too, too new. I think that's twenty no, first century. I know. I have my my list has gotten very long for next week, and I'm gonna read them all to you at the end. Sorry. I'm excited. <laughs> well, look, I don't. I, that's all I've got. Um, do you, any, anything else? Any other territory we haven't covered? No, I just. I, I was surprised at how well this held up. I really yeah. didn't think it was gonna for a thirty-one-year-old movie, Bart. Yeah. Yeah. It's no, I fucking like, good. I mean, it's held up better than we have. Like, let's <laughs> let's, be, let's be honest. Like, I really yeah. thought that I thought the effects were going to look terrible. I thought that elements of the script were going to be extremely dated, and some of them are, but mostly not. All things yeah. considered, I, I think it held up su- surprisingly well. Is really the yeah. it's the only word I have. It's I, I yeah. thought no, it was going to be worse, but it's fine. I'm like looking forward to showing this to Amy. Like I like I think she yeah. like I think kids today could like totally dial into this. I would love your your boys haven't seen this yet, have they, Bill? Uh, it's one of those things that I tried to show Henry too early, um, mm. and oh, he no. wasn't wasn't looking, yeah, yeah, yeah. wasn't paying attention, and yeah. and. I wasn't at the point where I'm like, fucking watch it, motherfucker. Uh, <laughs> because I was like, you know what? No, uh, I, I pushed the Beatles too early because I was doing poppy Beatles and he fucking, he didn't get it until the White Album. So, you know, maybe it, this just wasn't his thing. But you know what? Yeah. It's, timing. Timing is everything. Yeah. You know, it, yes. it, it's uh, and, having kids is just an, uh, an opportunity to show someone good fellas for the first time. And it's, I don't know if Henry's there yet. No, no, goodness, no. But it's, it's, uh, I want him to fucking shine box Henry. (laughs) I I want him to to, in. He's ready for Scarface. Yeah. (laughs) Guys, honestly, it's, it's a real pleasure. I mean, after listening to you guys, uh, for so long, uh, it was really great to come on here and talk about, uh, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. It was a real pleasure. Thanks for having me. Dude, thanks for coming along, man. It's uh, it's real. Like I said, we were we were overdue for a guest star, and uh, you seem like someone who we really should have had on a long time ago. So yeah, uh, it's really great to finally get you in. Well, hey, uh, Bart, what are we gonna watch next week, man? Okay, so here's where I started. Right, I started with the following three movies. As like these are the three it was Legend, mm. Space Jam, and Donnie Darko, and then I added Inner Space. Thanks, Bill. <laughs> um. And then I added Austin Powers hyphen, the first one, um, because we were talking about SNL character, you know, actors and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I added Lawnmower Man. <laughs> and then I added Batteries Not Included. And then I don't remember why, but I added Triple X. 
And then, <laughs> and then I added Clash of the Titans, which was already on the list, I think. And then literally, Bill, as you were saying Jason and the Argonauts, I was adding Jason and the Argonauts, like, at the exact same moment. Amazing. And then I added Dr. Doolittle, like, with Rex Harrison, that one. And then I added L.A. Story for some reason. That's in my fucking notes here, added, too, man. Excellent. <laughs> yeah. And then I added The Sandlot. And then I added Cool Runnings. So here's what I've decided to do. I'm punting because I'm lazy. Bill, we, we denied you your God-given <laughs> right of choosing what movie you'd appear on. Understood. And so I'm going to give you the honor this week of choosing what we will do next week. Mm. What you want to hear us shoot shit about. There's a lot of gems in there. And as, as much as I want to switch it up and not stick with an SCTV alumnus here... I'd love, I'd love Martin Short too much to not go with Inner Space. I just, it's a movie from my childhood, and I really think it, uh, I was aware of Sam Cooke because of Inner Space, not because my mother played his music, because of seeing Martin Short doing his weird dance to uh, uh, Dennis Quaid. Oh, it's so weird. Yeah, <laughs> playing Sam Cooke from inside in his liver or somewhere. Um, I absolutely am going to go with Inner Space on this one. Done. Daily? Count it. Back to back shrink ray movies. This is this is very exciting. Shit. All right. Well, that wraps up, honey. I shrunk the kids. Uh, thank you guys for coming on this miniature journey with us. Uh, we're gonna stay small next week with inner space. Uh, in the meantime, stay healthy, stay safe, stay the fuck at home. Thank you for listening. Have a lovely evening and a fantastical tomorrow. You're Cronin! Woo! <laughs> <laughs>